So Genesis 20, as I said, we find ourselves in a similar and a familiar spot. Uh, and we'll see Abraham, as he gets scared, uh, convincing his wife once again to tell the king in the area they're in that she's only his sister and uh, and not include the important fact that she's his wife. And, you know, not exactly the best way to gain favor and to stay in favor um, with your spouse. I know that if I were to say that to my wife, like, hey, we're going to go to whatever neighborhood. Can you just say you're my sister and you're not my wife? I can already I can guarantee you that I already know the look I'm going to get after 23 years of marriage. <laughs> and she'll, excuse me, I'll get that look and and uh, and rightly so. But um, Abraham, uh, while he is uh, listed in Hebrews 11 uh, as a um, hero in the faith and uh, somebody that we would consider as a, we would call that the hall of faith, uh, he is also a human being that uh, has um, human emotion and uh, uh, can still find himself uh, like we can in positions where we're not at our strongest point and his is just recorded for all the world to read and uh, you know ours most likely would never be so uh, when we look at this it's important to understand he is a human being and uh, but very highly regarded uh, in uh, in Christianity in uh, in uh, Judaism and uh, actually also uh, in Islam and uh, so to understand that this man had a little bit of impact on the world. So when we can look at something like this, uh, it's important to understand that he is uh, a human being. So uh, Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, and Abraham journeyed from there uh, to the south. So uh, they, they just picked up and moved south and uh, dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Or Gerar. I'm going to say Gerar. Uh, now, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, uh, sent and took Sarah. Uh, but God came and, uh, to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her and said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, uh, and she, even she herself said, he is my brother and the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands. I have done this. Now, uh, so this is a pretty interesting conversation between uh, Abimelech and uh, God and uh, that he he is visited here. So Abimelech, uh, the, the, his name is the father of the king. Now he's listed in many of Old Testament scriptures. So uh, there are many scholars that believe Abimelech is more a title rather than a name. 
Um, you may hear some that differ from that and just say, no, they were kings and they just all got named Abimelech. Either way, uh, the, the ones that are mentioned are in authority. And uh, I would consider them all to be, this would be a, uh, a title, uh, much uh, very similar to uh, Egyptians uh, calling their, their kings pharaohs. So Abraham, uh, as we talked about, is at it again. And uh, the root problem of uh, what we're going to see is a lack of faith in the Lord, even after all that he had seen and experienced. Now, we, understand, we know that he believed in the Lord, but his belief in the Lord to protect him and deliver him, we see that's a weak point in Abraham's life. So his, his old ways had, uh, are, are now rearing their head and he tells a lie, or you can consider it a half-truth. So if it's a half-truth, it's, it's, you know, both things are true. Yes, she was his sister, and we'll get into that in a minute. But the sin of omission, <laughs> that's, that's pretty important, you know, to not include, that. you know, her, her real title is that she is his, his bride, his wife. So uh, omission slash manipulation is what's happening here. And, uh, you know, this is 25 years after the first time he did it. So it's another lesson for us uh, to never return to our old flesh, to compromise, to go, go back, you know, and it can, uh, in those cases, that compromise uh, can be evident to all. Wait a minute, weren't you, didn't you come from here and now you're back here? You know, what are we doing here? Have you, you're not, you're not progressing in your faith and it's so important for us to progress in our faith. And, uh, you know, he, that, that old person should be dead and buried and, uh, that we are, uh, new creations in Christ, not returning back to that old flesh, that old, uh, scenario where, uh, you know, we're doing the same old things. You know, if we find ourselves continuously doing those same old things, we have to reevaluate where we truly stand with the Lord. You know, do we, have we really surrendered to him or are we at a point where we've, because how many times did the scriptures say, do not be deceived, do not be deceived. And, and uh, you've heard Will say uh, for years, because we can be deceived and it's, and it's so true. You know, we can deceive ourselves or we can just put our, our conscience on mute and say, yeah, I know that's wrong, but I'm just going to choose to ignore that. And God knows my heart, but I want to continue on and do what I was, I wanted to do anyways, but. If we stumble, uh, you know, our, our uh, next step should be to confess and forsake whatever we just stumble back into. You know, if we make that not not to go, well, I stumbled and here I go off the cliff. You know, now, now that I've stumbled once, I got to go head, headlong into my old life and what I was and everything. And that's not the case here. And we see that the Lord deals with Abraham and the Lord deals with Abraham through through uh, through uh, a pagan king, and uh, so there's uh, some powerful lessons that we're going to look at here. But um, you know, it's important for us if we do stumble that we would get back up, move forward in the Lord, and not remain where we're at. So, Lord, I did something stupid. I need your help. Uh, you know, would you forgive me and help me to move forward by the power of your Spirit and not return uh, to that? So uh, Sarah is once again placed into a king's harem. Now, remember, Sarah is 90 years old. And uh, that's, uh, that's uh, quite an interesting fact to consider that uh, she's still being brought in. So 
Um, there are two thoughts on this. One could be, yes, she is still, still very attractive looking, and that's usually why the king would want them. But Abraham was a rich man. He had a lot. It could have been on a business deal. It could have been, hey, this is your brother. Uh, this is your brother. Great, you know, why don't you come on in? And that there would be a business deal that they would, you know, gain. That the king would see this as a way to gain power. Either way, she finds herself in the same spot again. And usually, for uh, a woman to be brought into the king's harem, it's because they are attractive to the eye. And so, uh, whatever it may be, whether it was uh, maybe a combination of both, uh, she finds herself there again. Now, uh, where they're uh, both in this situation, you know, there are uh, big warning signs of weaknesses within a marriage that we see that both are lying instead of trusting in the Lord. She's being obedient to her husband, but she's also going along with it. So there, that should never be uh, uh, the conduct of a Christian marriage, that, that two would agree to just go forward in lying. Uh, that shouldn't be the case. It should be, if that even came up, is there's some repentance that needs to happen right here, and this needs to be addressed right now. But if two are are collectively lying, uh, there there's a uh, we could call it a come to Jesus moment, <laughs> right? Uh, you've probably heard of those, but where where we need to reconsider, you know, what's happening and where uh, where things are. But these two are at this point again, and uh, because she was his sister. Uh, it could have been that this was a political move, but we don't know. But either way, she's there. They both have been um, uh, manipulative uh, to Abimelech. And um, we see here from this situation that uh, as Sarah is there and they've, they've gotten there, uh, the Lord speaks to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, uh, we're on verse 3, Indeed, you are a dead man. Uh, because of now just think about that hearing from God hearing from anybody you're a dead man that's a that's a bad thing that's just never gonna be uh, put in a good light in especially in this context uh, yes our our, our uh, sinful flesh should be dead and we should be new creations in Christ but to hear from God Almighty uh, you're a dead man that's the mo that's the worst thing we could ever hear you're dead. Like you are about to experience God's wrath, and we don't want that. So uh, the Lord visits him in uh, the middle of the night, and uh, he has a dream. And he says, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, uh, will you slay a righteous nation also? So God's uh, judgment on, uh, on, on the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was known. We, we looked at that last week, and uh, there's no way that something that catastrophic could have been a secret, that they wouldn't have had any understanding of, uh, of oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, fire and brimstone just destroyed these two cities here, and, I, uh, you know, uh, it must have just been, uh, you know, a, a bad storm that came through. You know, they all understood, and if you look at this pagan king's, response uh, and what he says here uh, that uh, will, Lord will you slay a righteous nation also uh, and uh, what he's saying here is we, we haven't we haven't done uh, anything here uh, that would uh, that would warrant uh, this and uh, it wouldn't have been a secret but it was evident to all that it was due to their sin you know would you slay a, a righteous nation also and the answer to that as we know from studying is no. 
the Lord would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah if there were ten righteous there. There weren't. And uh, so we know the destruction that happened. So it's a, 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 a very interesting conversation. And uh, he was able uh, to defend himself saying, no, even she said, you know, he, he said that she's my sister and she said he's my brother. You know, so in the integrity of my heart, the innocence of my hands, I've done this. He's saying, you know, I can't be uh, accused of, of wrongdoing. God said to him in a dream, you, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech arose. Uh, rose early in the morning and called his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. So God is communicating with Abimelech, and he's communicating with him instead of Abraham in this situation. Instead of uh, talking to Abraham, saying, Abraham, what are you doing? You know, the Lord takes a different route in rebuking Abraham. So uh, God is acknowledging Abimelech's integrity in the situation and says that uh, he says that uh, he withheld them, uh, Abimelech, from sinning against him. So this is a tremendous act, tremendous act of God's grace and mercy toward Abraham, toward Sarah, toward Abimelech and all that were there, that the Lord was preserving and protecting them and uh, what we see is that the Lord was protecting the sanctity of marriage for uh, you know uh, once again for Abraham and Sarah. Can one of you uh, shut the door, please? Uh, for Abraham and Sarah, and um, that uh, God takes marriage and um, intimacy within a marriage very seriously. That that is strictly designed between a husband and a wife in marriage, not a boyfriend or a girlfriend, not uh, uh, people that are, are fiancés or anything that are engaged. It's strictly to be uh, that marriage is supposed to be consummated after marriage versus before, regardless of what our culture says. And uh, so God is protecting the sanctity of this marriage and, and uh, he takes uh, marriage very seriously. And uh, even though our culture may not, God hasn't changed, and his standards have not changed, and his commands have not changed. Uh, the marriage is still very sacred in the eyes of the Lord. The fact that the church's marriage and divorce rate mirrors uh, our nation's, uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, the secular marriage rate, is a shame. And it's, it's, it's very sad that within the church there is no difference uh, statistically within marriage uh, of them lasting. And uh, so that is, that's a, a, a sobering uh, thought and a sobering fact to understand. <clears throat> what, uh, so God has gone to great lengths to show his interest in the sanctity of, of uh, marriage and our marriage and their marriages and, and all throughout the scriptures. Uh, it very, it makes it very clear uh, that uh, when you get into uh, the Ten Commandments, haven't come out yet, but uh, adultery uh, was a capital offense. You know, the seventh seventh commandment—that's a capital offense 
Um, and uh, we, we've actually looked at that recently in John chapter 8 uh, on Sunday mornings. And uh, so this is a very serious situation. And Abraham has once again put his wife uh, in this situation rather than standing on the promise of God's truth and uh, understanding that, that and, and standing on the promise that God said he was going to give them a son through Sarah and, uh, and for them to exercise their faith and, and say, you know what? The Lord's been speaking. We've actually like, had these conversations. We've actually met with the Lord and then seen Sodom and Gomorrah. Like they've seen all this deliverance uh, for, for Lot. And they've seen all these things happening. I know I've said it before. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but seeing is not believing. That doesn't mean because we've seen something that we're never going to waver in our faith. Um, we, we are very forgetful. We are very uh, prone to uh, folding to the, our circumstances rather than standing firm in our faith in those circumstances. And we uh, discussed I think it was might have been Sunday night. Uh, the Bible studies in my head and up here kind of start getting crammed together in my head. But when we look at the examples, we discuss the examples that we can find in the book of Daniel, uh, where they're not willing to back down. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, not a wavering in their faith, regardless of what's happening. You know, for Daniel to still continue to go pray, even though they were told uh, that they couldn't. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar uh, had had uh, said, no, you can't even pray anymore. Uh, and Daniel would go in private and pray. And they, they knew where they could find him and accuse him. And uh, so they brought him and, and accused him. But he wasn't changing. And uh, we know that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not going to bow down uh, to the, the idol that was presented. And uh, they stood firm in their faith. And they faced the fire and came out. Because they trusted in the Lord, they were ready to die. They were, they were ready. Fine, if we die in there, that's fine. But we are not doing that. You know that that type of faith. Now, uh, as I said, Abraham is a human being, and uh, death could have been uh, all around. There could have been death threats of whatever. He, oh, he's he's rich, and you know, you know, we can just kill him and take everything. You know, maybe he looked at this. Well, well, if if uh, if the king takes him, then I, I could probably be in uh, in in favor with the king and. Uh, you know, I'll have the kings protect whatever it might be. We don't we don't have that written down here. But what we do know is that he wasn't strong enough in his faith at this point uh, in this situation to stand uh, and believe that the Lord was going to carry him through. Verse nine. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, Why have you, uh, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, uh, what, uh, uh, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? So this is the second time uh, Abraham is being rebuked by a pagan king. It's a shame for the believer to be rebuked by a non-believer, and, uh, and especially when they're right. <laughs> Wait a minute. You said you're a Christian and this is a part of your life. I thought Christians weren't supposed to. I thought, you know, when those things, when when somebody is not walking with the Lord, but they know whatever we're doing is wrong. That's a problem. You know, that that's a problem with our witness. And more importantly, it's a problem with our relationship with the Lord. And uh, so for a non-believer to call out, and go, wait a minute, there's there's compromise here. What are you doing? So he gets he gets rebuked, and uh, 
that uh, uh, what he <laughs> this is a direct confrontation. And it, it almost comes down to these words weren't exactly, but you almost killed us all. You know, like I was going to be wiped out and everybody was going to be wiped out. And so he, he's having that type of on that level of a conversation with him. This isn't like, excuse me, sir, I'd like to have a conversation. I mean, this is this is a confrontation of you know, what, you know, what were you even thinking? Uh, you know, you've done this deed to me uh, that ought not to be done. It's a very, very powerful statement for somebody to say that that deed should not be done. You know, you've deceived me that a Christian would be a deceiver. You know, for us, you know, for a, a believer, uh, obviously this is pre-Christ, but, um, you know, very uh, Christ revelation. You guys know what I mean, but uh, a very, a very powerful statement, you know, and it might have been expected elsewhere, but not from you. And that 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 same type of rebuke is, is very powerful. And, um, you know, when he goes on to say in, in verse 10, uh, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? Uh, you know, what made you even think to do this? You know, if you're, you want to put it in today's terms, what made you even think to do this? What, what were you thinking? What, what did you have in view? What was it that you were looking at that would bring you to this? So that I'm having a, a, a conversation with the Lord that starts off with I'm a dead man. You know, and so this this conversation is very serious. And, uh, it, you know, this rebuke is very strong. And it should have been. And it's correcting Abraham. And uh, let's look at verse 11. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place wherever we go. Say of me, he is my brother. <laughs> so when he left, he heard the call of the Lord, and he's following the Lord, and he is sure to get his wife on board with this awful plan of, hey, wherever we go, just tell everybody you're my sister, so they don't have to fear for my life. You know, and this is a so he gets her to go along with the half truth lie, the omission. Um, and Abraham's response should and could have very easily been. Uh, because I'm a coward, you know that's what he could have said to uh, uh, to to Abimelech. That could have been the proper response. It was a cowardly thing to do, to to offer up his wife and then hope everything's going to go well again. Uh, it's just a mess, and we see that every, both times he did this, it resulted in big messes for him, his wife, and the nations that he was in in Egypt uh, and here. Uh, in front of uh, Abimelech, uh, which is going to this area, um, uh, we'll see as it progresses the Philistines. And uh, so Ab Abraham's response wasn't that he was a coward, but he gives an answer, and and he let these perceived circumstances determine his faith. He saw what was happening here, and uh, he let the circumstances dictate what his response was going to be, rather than stand in faith. He went the fear route and did uh, the uh, the coward thing uh, to do. Now, am I hitting him hard? We've I think we've all had moments where we said, you know what, I acted like a coward in that response. So don't get me wrong, I'm not standing up here on a high horse saying I've never done anything that I've been ashamed of. But to understand where uh, what's being done here uh, has to be, we have to understand that as a cowardly act. It's not. It, this was not an act of faith. He didn't go into it saying, well, God, I hope you help out here. 
No, he had to be rebuked by two pagan kings for doing the same thing. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. That was obviously written after Abraham's life, but the, the premise, the, the truth of it, it rang true from day one. You know, to, to trust in the Lord uh, and uh, not to fear man is is uh, something that any believer uh, should walk uh, with that confidence. So uh, they he goes on, uh, as his wife said, and, uh, you know, they both said, uh, uh, my sister and my brother and all these things. And yes, uh, is his half-sister of the gene pool had not been broken uh, down. Uh, that came afterward. Uh, and uh, so they're just dealing with an awkward situation for this king. <clears throat> it says, uh, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever you go. Say of me, he is my brother. You know, not just in Egypt. Uh, this was a personal favor expected of, of Sarah uh, wherever they went. And uh, it's not the best of family traditions. You know, we all have family traditions, right? We all have um things you know when we travel we might stop and go hit a cracker barrel or there are certain things that we do uh we all have uh, certain traditions and this isn't one of them that it that should ever be and it shouldn't have ever been and uh you know unfortunately we're going to see as we progress through in chapter 26 uh chip off the old block his son is doing it and uh, uh but we'll get there you know isaac does the same so not necessarily the family legacy that, uh, you know, someone would uh, want. You know, our family legacies should be upright uh, and uh, righteous and, and good and pleasing to the Lord as Christians. You know, uh, for, you know, not uh, passing our shortcomings on to our children, but, be, but to be honest, to be able to tell uh, children or uh, any children we have in our lives, instead of trying to act like we're, you know, we walk around glowing and, and we're perfect. Say, so, you know what? No, I'm not perfect. I, this is what I came from. And, hey, I remember when I was young, I did that. And this was the, this was the outcome. It wasn't good. I'd highly recommend you not do that. You know, for, for us to be able to share that wisdom that we gain going through life uh, with the young uh, in their faith. And uh, they might be uh, young uh, teenagers, young children, or brand new Christians, uh, whatever it may be, that we would be honest and open. You know, if I if I were to tell my my kids that I've never sinned or anything, they're just going to look at me and go, yeah, yeah, you've never done anything wrong. There's a hypocrite right there saying one thing and being another. And that shouldn't be said of us. So after this confrontation and, and uh, Abraham has this chance to answer Abimelech, it says, uh, verse 14, Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored a, uh, Sarah, uh, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. So Abimelech responds in grace and uh, gives Abraham great blessing and a place to dwell. Uh, as things cooled down a little bit, you know, okay, they, they both got uh, what they needed said and, and uh, the grace of God to bless Abraham uh, uh, through Abimelech that Abraham had just offended. Uh, we, can, we can even look at that, that God was still blessing Abraham in grace. And uh, you know, he restores Sarah to Abraham and 
she shouldn't have never been there in that situation anyways, but God um, uh, ends up restoring her to Abraham. Verse 16, then to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus, she was rebuked. So after rebuking Abraham, he makes sure to address this because she did lie to Abimelech also. And uh, and he basically says, I know you were involved and I took care of the situation with your husband. The wrongs that you've done were made right. Uh, you know, we're all clear. We're all square. We're all starting uh, from uh, from scratch from here. Verse 17. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech. Now, the Lord said that Abraham was a prophet and would pray for him. And so now we're getting to that point. So Abraham, uh, so Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Uh, then they bore children for God had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Abraham prayed as God said he would because the Lord uh, knows the, what's going to happen in the future. And uh, he can see the future. We can't, but the Lord uh, knew what was going to happen there and said that Abraham is a uh, prophet and he will pray for you. And he did. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servant, his female servants. And, you know, for the Lord had closed up their wombs. So uh, if nothing else, we can see that our actions affect other people positively and negatively. Sometimes much more uh, and uh, many more than we may think. You know, it's important for us to focus on uh, having our, for our faith to be strong, to obey the Lord and uh, understand that our sinfulness affects others. If we, if we aren't walking with the Lord, we don't, we're, we're backslidden, we're, or uh, we're considering, you know, toying around, which we would in, in a state of back uh, ba and backslidden in a state of backsliding. There you go. Um, that that sinfulness is going to uh, affect people. We may think it's only affecting us, but then as things are, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to hold, you know, that, that uh, trying to hold on and keep it, that secret sin, we know that it's going to be revealed, as the scripture says, and it's going to come out. And usually what's going to come out is our mood is going to change. Our, how we conduct ourselves because God is chast he's chastising us and he's correcting us. And then we're going to get to a point of, uh, of frustration or, and, and then that might come out, or, but it's going to affect other people. And the Lord said uh, that uh, in verse 18, it says the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the children of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah Abraham's wife. So this is another way of explaining the entire situation was surrounding Sarah. It's not just Sarah as a person, but what had happened uh, with Sarah. As we continue, Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. So right after we see that everybody was restored and everything, the scripture, the next verse goes, 
a right into, and the Lord visited Sarah. So the Lord had opened the wombs of everybody there, and, and everybody everything was getting restored in Abimelech's kingdom. And, and uh, the Lord uh, is now ministering and uh, opened Sarah's womb, and, and uh, uh, she conceives. And uh, if you look at verse 1, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah uh, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which the Lord had spoken to him. So those three things, as the Lord had spoken, as he had said, as he had spoken, and at the set time that God had spoken. It happened exactly the way the Lord said it was going to. They had already tried years back saying, oh, well, you know what? Uh, you know, we won't get into this too, too much because we're going to here in a minute. But where uh, Abraham uh, was uh, was aware that the Lord told him that he was going to have a son and uh, that it would be through Rebecca and um uh, they decide well that he was going to have a son. That's where that really develops first. And oh well, it must be through the through Hagar. So you know what? She's going to bear uh, the the baby's going to be born on uh, Sarah's lap, and uh, then we'll have a son, right? And so they take matters into their own hands, uh, and and that's what happens. They they uh, Hagar has um, Ishmael and uh, born on uh, Sarah's lap, so Sarah can say, oh okay, this is <coughs> excuse me, this is my child. But then there's a lot of a lot of confrontation uh, within uh, the family at that point, and now um, Hagar is looking at Sarah and uh, despising her, and and uh, so there's there's been a lot that's happened, and and now we're looking at uh, this young boy now being in his teens, and we'll we'll look to see how this develops, but. Um, so all this happened as the Lord had said, as the Lord had spoken at the set time which God had spoken. So uh, this is 25 years after the initial uh, promise, and you know, uh, important uh, to see the um, the lesson here that God is not slack concerning His promises, and He doesn't forget what He says. That that uh, you know, two decades later plus, uh, now they're finally having this child, and. It, just that's a lesson in patent patience 25 years they failed on several occasions but the lord didn't waver concerning his promise he didn't forget it says that um, the son was named isaac for he laughs and you can look back at the story of uh both abraham and uh sarah both laughing one in faith and one doubting uh but they both came to a point where they were laughing uh when they heard <clears throat> when they heard the news so they named him isaac verse four then abraham circumcised his son isaac <clears throat> when he was eight days old as god had commanded him now abraham was 100 years old when his son isaac was born to him and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And so as God had prescribed the sign of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac was, was circumcised on the eighth day. It says that Abraham was a hundred years old. God had rejuvenated Abraham's body and 
Sarah's body so that they would be able to conceive and have a baby. So God had allowed for that to come, and, and he had uh, rejuvenated their bodies, as I said. And so this, uh, this saying from, uh, from uh, Sarah now is joy from the Lord that's filling her heart. And he says, she says, all will laugh with me. It's that can you believe it? Can you believe it? It, it came to be. Who would have thought? You know, and and uh, you know, no longer in unbelief as she was before that it would happen, but rather that God, uh, in His power and grace, had made it happen. And she's celebrating. Verse eight. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born. To Abraham scoffing. Therefore, she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of your of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. So things take a very serious turn here for Abraham. The baby's born. Uh, after the baby is weaned, they have a party. Apparently that was a big deal. So the way babies weaned, so they weaned, so they they have a party. And at the party, uh, Sarah notices Ishmael mocking. And he's scoffing. He's scoffing over there. And uh, so she automatically gets to a point where she wants them gone. And uh, he, he's scoffing as a teenager. Now, we don't know the context of why he would be. But to, to look at it, he was the only child at that point. And uh, he's the oldest kid. And maybe some jealousy. You know, maybe, you know, he was... He was uh, now looking, going, and, and I was the only one, and now we have the special one born here. And whatever it was, he was he was scoffing, and Sarah saw it, and she wants him gone. And we see that the baby she wanted before, now she wants it gone, now that she has her own. And things didn't, you know, oh, it work out the way Sarah thought they were going to. And uh, as they did things in their own strength, all it did was, as if God needed their help, all it did was create a mess uh, for the whole family, for everybody there, for her, for Ishmael, uh, for Hagar, for Abraham. And and uh, so this is a situation that everybody's facing now. And the, uh, the demand of Sarah, forget this woman and this kid out of here. I don't want him here. You know, he's not going to be heir with my son. I want him gone. It's very displeasing, it says, uh, to Abraham and uh, this is his own, his oldest son. No doubt, loved this kid. You know, he, he's got a, a relationship. Loved him very much. and very heavy on his heart. And, you know, they. Uh, you know, God instructs Abraham, and he says to listen now. Uh, there was a time where he shouldn't have listened to the voice of his wife, uh, but he did. And uh, God instructs Abraham uh, to listen to his wife in this situation, and tells him that he's still going to make a nation uh, from Ishmael. So I think that would have been the, the only thing that would comfort this father in this time is to hear from God and say, no, uh, this is going to happen. He's going to be okay. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to take care of him. 
And uh, verse four, uh, 14, this is hard as a father. Uh, it's as hard every time I read it uh, to look at this. And I remember being in a, a men's Bible study over in um, in Italy when we were out there, over there. And uh, um, I, re I remember uh, I, I mentioned that, that F-15 pilot, he was leading the Bible study. And he was asking questions of the guys, that, specifically with how Abraham responds right here. It says in verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it uh, to the boy, uh, gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And I remember the question in that Bible study being, what could Abraham have done more or better? And I just remember that because I was a pretty new believer, you know, but I just thought, I remember my answer was pray. You know, just like, you know, and just practically, you know, could he have given her money? Could he have given her, you know, more things? Well, let's look at it a little bit more. But this has been something, it's one of those things that uh, that you may have similar scriptures that really stick out. Hey, I remember when I first came to the Lord, God spoke to me in that spot. This is one of those for me and uh, one that I'll, I'll never forget. But So Abraham at the command of the Lord is obedient, and he gives him some bread and water and sends him on their way. As a wealthy man, he could have provided much more, but he must have come to a point of peace from God that uh, after God had reassured him, knowing that God was going to provide. I, 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 that's the only thing I can look at uh, and, and come to, because as a father, there's no way I'd be like, hey, here's a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. Hope everything goes well. You know, that's it's it's really I, I just uh, some of some of these things as we read, you know, they're head scratchers going, OK, you know, literally, you know, skin of water isn't a whole lot. And, and um, it's a bread. But it, it's it's at the uh, the only thing I can think of is that uh, the provision of the Lord uh, is what he was he was trusting in. So he sent her away, and I know I stopped in the middle of the verse. I did it on purpose uh, because now the, the focus shifts uh, right in the middle of that verse to her, to Hagar. And it says, then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water and the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under uh, one of the shrubs. And then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. And, uh, for she had said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite and lifted her voice and wept. So this story, as I said, had now shifted to Hagar uh, and Ishmael right in the middle of verse 14. And uh, um, they had uh, now, so we look at how hard it must have been for Abraham to lose his son and uh, to, to send them away. And he does. And at the at the uh, command of the Lord, and uh, he's obedient. God had told him uh, to do so, so he did. And uh, so that must have been. We know that it was hard on him. And uh, now shifting this uh, the, the lens over to Hagar, and uh, she has just left everything she's known. Uh, she's an Egyptian servant. Uh, um, all accounts based on what we can see. She was one of the servants given uh, to Abraham uh, when he left Egypt uh, after, after deceiving the Pharaoh there. Uh, and, um, and 
they uh, he was given uh, male servants and female servants. So she is now leaving everything that she had known, and now she's wandering in the wilderness. And uh, a strong woman through the trials, no doubt the things that she had gone through, moving uh, to a different country with people she didn't know, uh, she she had to grow from experiences in her life. And uh, she had gone through everything that happened uh, with uh, Isaac, uh, excuse me, with Abraham and and Sarah and uh, the whole Ishmael, how he came about. So I, I don't doubt that she was she was strong uh, in in some points. And and we know that that at one point there was uh, there was a problem that she couldn't even be comfortably in the house because she had been mistreated or, or treated harshly. Uh, it was the wording uh, by uh, by Sarah, and uh, then the Lord visited her and said, "Your son, I'm going to make him a mighty nation." And uh, so that that's all been brewing in the background, and now she's at a point where she's forgotten that these circumstances have brought her to a point of of um, uh, just uh, a desperation, and uh, you know she's finally uh, here and. Uh, you know, she's run out of water and bread and, and, uh, I don't have a doubt in my mind that she let him have the last drink and the last bite. And, uh, you know, like that any of us would, as we have a child with us and, you know, Hey, here, you know, this is, um, this, that it, it just comes down to it. You're not going to be like, all right, kid, you've had enough. And slam the rest of it down and I'm going to eat and you're going to go die over there. Uh, not, not the case as we see this mother's heart just being broken. So, uh, you know, now he's dying and, uh, she can't witness it up close. So she lays him and goes about a bow's shot. I love that a bow shot distance, you know? So I guess it depends on how good the archer is, but, uh, in in the equipment, but you know, you know, there, she's far enough away that she didn't want to actually witness her son taking his last breath. And uh, now she's lifting her voice, and she it says she lifted her voice and 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 wept. So that helplessness and desperation of this woman uh, leaving her son there. There's an interesting thing said in verse uh, 17, though. It says, and God heard the voice of the lad, the boy. God heard the the voice of the boy. So she's lifting a, a, that that heartbroken mother. She was already ministered. Not that that wouldn't count now, but uh, God had already promised her that He was going to become a nation. And um, now the Lord is it hears the voice of the lad. Verse seventeen says, "And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of uh, out of heaven and said to her." What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw the well of water, a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water, and she gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, uh, or Paran, uh, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Now, uh, God had heard the voice of the lad, and uh, this is the son of Abraham. Remember, when the Lord was talking to Abraham about this, he had, he had told him already that because he's your son, I'm going to bless him. 
and he had told Hagar this also. That had already been promised. So then the Lord calls out to Hagar out of heaven. Now the last time in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord met with her. So this time God's calling out from heaven. And uh, still a familiar voice to her to hear in the this uh, this time of desperation. Both times. And uh, one time she's in, in distress and now she's in utter desperation for her son and the situation he's in. The Lord says, fear not. For God has heard the, your, heard the voice of the lad where he is. He acknowledged her voice the last time. This time he's acknowledging his. And God opened her eyes, it says. And when God opens our eyes, we see things that might not have been there all along. You know, tunnel vision uh, that we can have. I don't know if you've ever had tunnel vision, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us have. Where we're not focused on what's around us. It's the one thing. Um, you guys are familiar with our dog Coda. When you have anything of a food in your hand, he sees and knows nothing else in the world than that little morsel of bread. I mean, it can be, uh, it could be something as small as a, a, a bread crumb. And if he knows that he can eat that, he doesn't care about anything around him. Nothing, nothing. That's the most of it. He, he has that tunnel vision. We can be the same, you know, and, and the, the fact that the Lord opened her eyes to this, we, there isn't any indication in the scripture that God like miraculously whipped up uh, one here. But the, the, what we can look at here is that she wasn't able to see where maybe it was in a brush uh, in the other direction. Oh, we don't know. Um, but I, I, I don't believe that the Lord just whipped up. Uh, a, a well that was there. I, I, I believe that she couldn't see because it says that the Lord opened her eyes and she saw the well of water. You know, that, that there was something she wasn't able to see until the Lord ministered, until the war, Lord worked in her life. And uh, there is a lot of spiritual application for us there uh, as Christians and for us to be able to share with non-believers that can't see some things and understand that at times when they're spiritually blind, they may not understand right now. You might be the seed sower. You might be the waterer, whatever it is. We might. It's not always going to be that every time we have a conversation with somebody that they're boom, they're ready. Oh, I never knew all that. Let's. I'll accept the Lord right now. It might be, but at other times we might be the seed sower. We might be the one that speaks or uh, to someone's uh, speaks love into someone's life and speaks the gospel into someone's life. And then somebody, hey, you know what? My grandmother used to told me that. Tell me that too. Or, or whatever it may be, that we would be sure to understand that at times we're not able to see things until the Lord opens our eyes. And once those eyes are open, then they, oh, wait a minute. So, oh, so all I can now see that the Lord was ministering to me here, 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 and here. And whatever happened, whatever it was, now her eyes are open and she can see and they're able to get what they, uh, what they need. And the Lord... You know, has done this and and he provided uh, what they needed and they're able to establish their life. And it says that God was with the lab, uh, the, the lab, the lad. And uh, that was as he had promised Abraham. He had already prom promised Abraham, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to take care of him. He's going to become a nation. And the Lord was with <coughs> with him because he was Abraham's son. So God was taking care of another situation that had gotten out of control, and it started with a man trying to do things on his own and not trusting the Lord. 
Uh, and now, uh, you know, 13, 14 years later, he's, he's a teen. We know that. Um, just based on the timeline that it, that has passed, and and uh, now the Lord is is continuing to uh, take care of the situation. Verse twenty two. So another scene shift here uh, in in the middle of the chapter. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, uh, spoke to Abraham, saying, "God is with you in all that you do." Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or uh, with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me uh, and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I did not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abraham, then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called the place Beersheba, because the two of them had sworn an oath there. Thus they had made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, commander of the army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a teramisk tree uh, in Beersheba, and there, called, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. So Abraham is approached by Abimelech, and Abimelech is very aware that God is with Abraham. And he says, God is with you in all that you do. And uh, he was aware of uh, God, uh, what God had done in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, God had visited him, Abimelech, uh, by himself in a dream and had that conversation uh, with him, telling him he was going to be a dead man. And then he was able to look at that situation and go, it's because of Abraham. And Abraham, uh, uh, that, that whole everything that happened in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, I know that that happened. And Abraham, uh, of course, he, he wasn't living uh, living there, but he understood who God was and that Abraham was a follower of God, that specific God, because, you know, the pagan nations, they'd have different, uh, different gods that they were following. So he comes to him and, and he wants an alliance and a, and a treaty with Abraham, and they, they, they make that treaty. And uh, before we move forward with that, in verse 22, where he tells him, you know, God is with you in all that you do. People that are around us, our family members, friends, co-workers, you guys have heard me use that list several times because those are the people that we're around. It, it should be evident that we are walking with the Lord and that the Lord is blessing our lives. I've noticed you, you're different. I've noticed that you're, uh, you know, this is different in your life. That is different in your life. Um, uh, that, or, or they might just notice that, that we are, are a blessing and we're not a cursing. 
You know, they're, they're, they may not know the old and the new or whatever it is, but that people are just blessed by our, our presence in their lives, that we are, are sharing God's love and uh, his word with them, that they can go, this person's walking with God, and it's evident. And uh, for uh, although uh, Abraham had done these things and, and tricked Abimelech, Abimelech knew that, uh, that, that God was with him. Uh, Abraham and, and it had blessed him mightily and he wants to make this treaty and they do make this treaty they make this covenant and uh, after they have agreed and they made this covenant uh, Abraham now is addressing something that Abimelech isn't aware of and uh, you know his servants had seized the well from Abraham and Abimelech wasn't aware and, and uh, he didn't even know about it and he says you didn't tell me you know, you know, he goes, I didn't, I didn't even. How am I supposed to know? He's, he's running everything. He doesn't know what's happening with every well and you know all these things. If nobody tells him, how can he, how can he take care of the problem? You know, why didn't you tell me? And uh, so they, they have this discussion and uh, they go forward in, in making their covenant. And uh, and then the place uh, that it, this place is now called. Beersheba, it says, uh, Abraham says, uh, it says that Abraham then he called the place Beersheba, uh, which is well of the treaty. And it's a prominent place that we'll see here on and throughout the Old Testament scriptures. So it's important, important to understand where this, this came from. And it says that Abraham stayed there. It, and a, a funny thing that I had heard one teacher, it was actually Joe Foch, say in uh, verse uh, 33, it says uh, that the Lord um, uh, there it says, uh, then Abraham planted a Teramis tree in Beersheba, and they're called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. He goes, yeah, Abraham's now over 100 years old. So, you know, God, he had learned, you know, different names for the Lord, but the everlasting God, because it meant a little bit more to him as he's getting older and everything. So it was a funny joke that he was funnier in saying it. But So uh, we made it through two chapters, and we still actually had some time. So. Next week, we'll get into Genesis 22, and uh, that is a, um, not that the whole, the scriptures themselves, every chapter is very powerful and has lots, a lot of meaning, but uh, we really get into uh, quite a, um, quite an account and quite a, uh, a time in the life of Abraham and the life of Isaac, and we see a, a pretty powerful thing. So I encourage everybody to read ahead. And um, maybe even study ahead, and uh, just just kind of prepare yourself for what we're going to look at, where uh, Abraham gets to a point where he is called uh, to sacrifice his son Isaac, and his willingness to do so. And the Lord, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, and 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 what happens from there, and stops it. But there's a, it's it's quite a quite a quite a moment. So uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons that are, are contained in the scriptures we just read. And we pray, Lord, that I, I know we can read, I'll read some things and uh, it will speak to us uh, in different areas. Uh, it might speak to one uh, a little more powerfully here and, and one a little more powerfully in a different spot. Whatever it is, Lord, that you're speaking to us, we pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and hearts that are, are uh, soft toward you and uh, that we would be obedient and uh, that we would grow as a result of being in this Bible study together and being in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you and have a great rest of your week.